Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your host for this morning, your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapa. And welcome to the show, y'all. Welcome to the show. I hope everybody's healthy. Hope everybody had a good weekend, a good Shabbat. Uh, I want to send shouts out to our brother schools um, here in San Antonio, also the brothers down in H-Town, uh, the brothers in VA, the brothers in Rochester, New York, uh, also the brothers in Canada and Cali, and shouts out to the brothers in Albuquerque, and shouts out to Cabo Cobb down in Guatemala. Uh, if it's your first time joining us, tuning into the show, we are Hebrew Israelites. Yes, indeed, the people of the book. Through biblical and historical proofs, we prove these time and time again. Um, we represent or are affiliated with all Hebrew Israelites. So shout out to the 12 tribes worldwide, y'all. Hold on, y'all. I'm trying to get my um, text messages together real quick. We're a little behind today, y'all. I apologize. Uh, didn't sleep too well last night. But it's all good, man. It is all good. All right, so, man, if it's, if it's first time tuning in to the show, I usually do about um, an hour of current events, news, uh, just speaking my mind. Um, yeah, about current, current events, news, just speaking my mind. And uh, before I dive into the topic, which is titled, Never Wax Pale, <clears throat> excuse me, the beginning of the end part two, man. So uh, I got that coming up, y'all, probably about an hour or so after I get done with the news. Uh, we are ISBHPK, Israelite School of Biblical History and Practical Knowledge. And like I said, once again, man, we are definitely affiliated with all Israelites uh, worldwide, man, 12 tribes, y'all, unite. Uh, if you believe in Christ, if you believe in Christ and you're keeping the laws and the principles of Christ, man, you can get down, man. We could uh, we could collab, we can fellowship, we can unify, man. No matter what your doctrine is, uh, but of course those two things are very important, man. And even if you, you know, are Old Testament only, brother, man, still reach out, man. We can find common ground somewhere because we're getting out of this place collectively. As a nation, as a people, not as individuals, and definitely not according to doctrine, y'all. So, y'all, let me go ahead and get started. Uh, let's get Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Oh, yeah, let me send a shout out to my brother in arms, man. My friend, my my mentor, my teacher, uh, Mashaba, man, the water for hooking up the broadcast. Uh, let me make sure my levels are good too Here we go So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 After this manner Therefore pray ye Our Father Which art in heaven Hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts As we forgive our debtors And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sent up on the daily, brothers and sisters, so we can get the hell on, man. This place gets, I'm telling you, man, it gets worse or worse by the damn day, man, by the minute, by the hour. The things that uh, people do, man, is just, it's nuts. And I'm I'm going to get to that in just a second, y'all. Y'all can see what I'm talking about. Uh, let's get Psalm chapter 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord had made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most high brought you. He'll bring you through it, and you will definitely come out better on the other side because of it, y'all. Trust me. Trust the book, man. Please believe me. <laughs> I've done the research, man. And it don't feel good while you're going through it. It don't, man. But uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel, y'all. No different than us awaiting Yahweh's kingdom to come, man. There's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. You have to believe it, though. You have to believe it. All right, y'all. I was talking about people doing crazy stuff, man. So this has been going on for quite some time, y'all. Uh, I'm sure y'all heard about it because it made national news. And it's one of us. Believe it or not, it's one of us, man. When I say one of us, I'm talking about so-called uh, black people. <clears throat> This this person is an Israelite. She doesn't know it. Uh, she doesn't know. Uh, she doesn't know a lot about anything. <laughs> My man. Anyway, uh, this is from uh, NBC News. There was no kidnapping. Carly Russell apologizes after admitting hoax. Hoover Police Chief Nichols C. Uh, Durzin said police are consulting with the the district attorney's office regarding potential criminal charges after the 20-year-old after the 20-year-old statement. So if y'all haven't heard about this man, it's this sister. Matter of fact, yeah, she's 25. She's uh currently a student. Uh, in nursing school, I believe <laughs> this heifer rep- basically reported herself missing, said that she had been abducted. But it come to find out, <clears throat> she made it all up, man. She made it all up. I <laughs> I don't know what is going on, man, with our people, especially this this new generation. It's like, uh, what does the T.K. Uh, T. Kirkman say, man? Who raised you? Who raised you, man? How you put this together in your mind? Are you, are you, this, is you, are you that bored? Do, do you, you really are starving for attention to go to this level, man, to go to this, this level of stupidity? And you really need your ass whooped. That's what you really need. And this. Two chops to the throat. Two chops to the damn throat. No doubt. We know in this article, 
Carly Russell admitted she did not see a toddler wandering on the side of the highway and lie about being kidnapped in a hoax that set off a nationwide effort to find her. An attorney from the Alabama from the uh, for, for the Alabama woman said Monday. So I don't know if y'all are familiar with the story, or Kaya have been telling me about it <clears throat> week before last. <laughs> that this. All right, y'all. I got kicked off for whatever reason. I'm back on. Anyway. Nah, I got kicked off. I'm getting all y'all text messages now. So I got kicked off. Uh, yeah. The water, y'all, for being so intentive. Attentive. <clears throat> but no, nah, the phone didn't die. A uh, little technical difficulty. They, they kicked me off of blog talk. I'm back on now. Hope everybody can hear me loud and clear. But yeah, um, my wife Arkai was telling me, I think last week, week before last, about this young black girl that um, went missing, saw this baby on the highway in the middle of the night, wee hours of the night. <laughs> and you know, we were talking about it, and uh, she was saying, man, that sounds like it, it's a setup to see a baby at night uh, all by himself, a toddler. You know, and <laughs> y'all know me, man. I got a weird sense of humor. So it automatically reminds me. I don't know if y'all seen that skit that Dave Chappelle did years back. Um, it was entitled Kill it, Killing Them Softly. <laughs> but in the skit, he talked about how he had did a show and his limo driver took him to the projects. And uh, he said he had a black limo driver. He said he got a phone call in the middle of the ride. And he got all frantic. He was like, Nick, I'm on the way. And he said, hey, man, we're going to have to make a stop before I get you to where you're going. <laughs> so he said he pulled up in the projects. And the dude got out the car and left him in the car. And Dave Chappelle said he's looking around. He see crackheads running everywhere. He's scared as hell because <laughs> he's in the ghetto, the projects. He's unfamiliar with it. And he said he sees a baby. <laughs> On the corner, in the middle of the night, he said about 2, 3 in the morning, and he said that, you know, he see the baby, and he want to go rescue the baby. His hero instinct is telling him to go rescue the baby. But he said at the same time, he's like, no, nah, man, this could be a setup. <laughs> and this is what this story reminded me of, man, <clears throat> because this helper say she's seen a baby. Wandered in the middle of highway, man. This this was she she concocted the story she concocted in her mind. Anyway, let me continue on. It says Hoover Police Chief Nichols C. Durzin uh, read the statement provided by Russell's attorney during a news conference, in which the 25 year old nursing student said she was not abducted as the nation was led to believe when she dis- disappeared July 13th. Russell said she had not left the Hoover area. <laughs> so 
she came out and said that she lied about everything. She returned home 49 hours after a call to 9-11 reporting seeing the child on the interstate. After she (laughs) made the phone call, she disappeared for 49 hours. Wow. This is what the lawyer said. My client apologizes for her actions to this community. To the volunteers who were searching for her, to Hooper Police Department and other agencies as well, the statement said. So, and I don't know how true it is, because you know they really don't search for us like they search for our red counterparts who we loosely refer to as white. They don't search for us like they search for them, man. Uh, Who is that? Also Dave Chappelle. (laughs) He made a skit, made a joke about it. Y'all can see I watch a lot of Dave Chappelle. He said uh, he was on the phone, and he, well, before he got into his skit, he said that uh, people usually, or terrorists don't take black hostages. He said the reason being is because uh, black hostages are bad bargaining chips. Because <laughs> he knows, man, nobody cares about us, man. Black and brown people, we are the throwaways and the most hated of society because we are, in fact, the Israelites. But the whole world knows this, man. They know this. But in the skit the brother went on, he was imitating the voice of a terrorist, and he said, man, it's it, if it would have been a, a, a terrorist calling the White House, letting them know who they took hostage, and they would say something like, we have five black, the call would have disconnected as soon as you mentioned that you had five black hostages or any type of black hostages or Latino hostages or Indian hostages, so-called Indian hostages, because they don't care about us, man. They're not willing to negotiate. So like I said, I don't know how true it was, whether these people were actually out looking for this misguided sister or what. But like I said, man, it wouldn't surprise me if they're just saying this to say faces to look good in the eye of the public, man. But anyway, it says, uh, the police department is consulting with the district attorney's office regarding potential criminal charges according to uh, Derzies, Deris, uh, Deris. I'm not butchering this dude's name. Anyway, uh, Russell was scheduled to be interviewed by police with her attorney Monday, but the statement was provided to the department instead. Derzies said the department is hoping to reschedule the interview and speak to Russell to get more information. So I hope they do bring this help up on charges, man. And the reason I'm saying this. It's because of this, man. <clears throat> so this right here, y'all, is from um, Black Missing Foundation. So they actually have a website, Black Missing, um, BlackMissingIncorporated.com. That's the site, y'all. And the headline reads, or the introduction, Missing Persons Status or Statistics 2023. So this is from last year. A detailed look at the number of missing persons in the United States. 
Thousands of people are reported missing every year in the U.S. And while not every case will, will get widespread media attention, the coverage of white and minority victims is far from proportionate. Take a look at this infographic created by BAMFI detailing the disparity, black and missing in America. They look at disparities in missing persons cases, 2023 statistics for the United States. So they list their sources, and then they go into the disparities. Persons reported missing in 2022, y'all, 546,568 persons missing or reported missing in 2022. Now, they got the little uh, graph up here, and they said that 57% of this number that I just quoted is so-called white people. But this is the kicker. This includes Hispanics, because I don't know if y'all notice or not, they include our brothers and sisters, our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters, and Portuguese brothers and sisters. They include them as being white. They do this on purpose, y'all. Like Christ said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And they got them thinking that they're actually Edomites. This is why you get a lot of our Hispanic brothers and sisters that roll like Edomites, so-called white people, especially here in San Antonio. I call them Edom car because that's how they be rolling, man. They be rolling straight like Esau. But anyway, these numbers are not accurate because we know that us and our so-called Hispanic brothers and sisters, we're the same people who are Israelites. But they have them listed with the Edomites, so-called white people, at 57% of the number that I just gave, which was uh, 546,568. Now, 39% of that number, they say, are minorities, so-called black people. It says 3% were unknown. That says nearly 40% of missing persons are, are persons of color. Yet, African Americans, and like I said, this number is not accurate because they don't include our uh, Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters. They're just including uh, so-called black people. But they say nearly 40% of missing persons are persons of color. Yet African-Americans make up only 13% of the population. Now, the source for this is uh, census.gov. Thousands of people are reported missing every year in the U.S., and while not every case will get widespread media attention. The coverage of white and minority victims is far from fortunate. So they said, why the disparities in media coverage? So the first disparity they, they mentioned is runaways. A lot of minority children are initially classified as runaways. So a lot of black kids, a lot of brown kids, they classify as runaways. And this is why they don't get widespread media coverage. This is why people don't go look for them. These are the these are the excuses that they give, because these are not good reasons. Because uh, white little kids, teenagers, they go missing all the time too, 
And most of the time, they are, in fact, damn runaways. Hell, they used to see these kids all the time at the mall. When I worked at the mall, yeah, they run away from home. Uh, but they got people that actually care about them and go look for them. Um, and they'll make a big deal out of it because it's uh, white folks, man, so-called white folks. You know, um, Beverly, uh, I always want to call her Beverly, I don't know why. Robert D'Angelo in her book, White Fragility, she talks extensively about this, man about how um, the public and the world will care about a white face more than a black face. And she goes into, uh, goes into it and talks about, especially if it's a white woman. If it's a white woman, man, they will go through hell and high water to find her, to find the people that kidnapped her, to, they'll turn the damn whole world over looking for these people. But if it's one of us, nah, man, ain't nobody looking for us. Nobody's coming for us because, once again, we are definitely the most hated people on the face of the planet, man, and it's because we're God's chosen people. It's not a coincidence. Anyway, they give one of their excuses for them not uh, caring about black and brown people is that the children are initially classified as runaways and, as a result, do not receive the Amber Alert. It says uh, criminals. Missing minority adults are labeled as associated with criminal involvement, gangs, and drugs. So this is another excuse they use not to look for missing black people, man, because we're criminals anyway. But this has been our reputation in order to get the whole world to see us as nothing or less than nothing. And y'all remember all the cases of uh, unarmed black people getting killed. The first thing they would do is go after the character of the person and assassinate our character and say, okay, well, uh, they were involved in drugs. They, they did this or they did that. You know, like they did with Mike Brown, Mike Brown said he was stealing cigarettes or whatever. And it's in order to criminalize us, to make us look less human so people won't care about us and say, and stereotype us and say, see, they're no good anyway. See, they're just a bunch of niggas. They're just a bunch of spicks. They're, they're the scum of the earth. So this sits well on their conscience because they oh, well, they're nothing anyway, so I'm not going to waste my time looking for nothing. This This is... Honestly, our fault. This is how bad we pissed the most high off to where now people ain't even looking for us, man. People ain't even searching for us. People don't care about us. Why? Because we turn our back on the most high and prove that we don't care about him. So the scriptures say what a man sow he shall also reap. So we're getting back all the dirt that we did to the most high. Now, the reason I want to bring all of this information out about these statistics is because this sister is making a mockery of us going missing. She just don't know the how much she's added to the damage of them not looking for us. So we already got the fact that the world thinks we're just a bunch of throwaways and we're the undesirables of the planet. Well, now we're the lying 
undesirables of the planet. So now I'm going to be questioning if we go missing, oh, did they really go missing? Or are they somewhere with their friends smoking weed, getting high and twerking? They partying. They said she was missing for 49 hours. What was this heifer doing for 49 hours to where nobody knew where she was at? And it did. It makes you. It makes you just kind of scratch your head a little bit and wonder what the hell is going on with our people. But I sincerely believe that it's the programming, man, that this world does through social media, through uh, television programs. That's why it's called television programming. Is because. They've got our people, man, especially our children, to start thinking that they're like them. They really do. Our children now think that they white people, man. That they're taking on the mannerisms and sometimes erroneously so the privilege of white people, man. This is some white privilege shit that you read about. Excuse my French, y'all. This is what Edomites do, man. They stage kidnapping episodes to get attention. We, when have you known black people to do this? This ain't nothing to, to uh, glorify over. Somebody kidnapped you? When? Please, y'all, tell me when. Anyway, the, the last uh, part of this uh, article, this little uh, website, it says, it is believed that missing minorities live in impoverished conditions, and crime is a regular part of their lives. So because we live in the ghettos and the barrios, ain't nobody coming to look for us. We're used to that type of life, so if we get kidnapped, I don't know, maybe they'll take them niggas to a better place than where they grew up. I guess this is their rational. Now, this is what I want to get out of the scriptures, y'all. Let's get uh, Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8, and let's start at verse 19. And it reads, Behold, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, because of them that dwell in a far country, is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images? And with strange vanities. So this is the most high speaking. And he's talking specifically to the daughter of his people. He says, behold, the voice of the, the cry of the daughter of our people. So, yeah, our, our sisters are crying. But the most high said that they provoked him to anger with graven images, man. A graven image is, is a deity or something that you hold in high regards more than the most high. And for our sisters, it's they selves, man. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quite frank 
And what's the word they say? I'm going to be, uh, oh, man. I'm going to use a lot of candor. <laughs> Excuse me, y'all. Our sisters, our women, unfortunately, have a high unduly opinion about themselves. And that's called pride. That is the definition of pride. That's why the Most High be stinging our sisters. And when I talk about pride, I'm talking about their their ability in themselves. I just read something about that whole Kiki Palmer talking about how she don't need a man. You know, and this this is the thought process in most of our women, unfortunately. And I'm talking about Israelite women, too. They might not say it directly, but they're thinking it, and their actions show it when they be making moves and doing stuff without – the husband's consent or permission, or dictating to the husband what's going to go on in the house when the husband is the head of the household, man. It's like our memory is real short and we forget what happened in the garden. What what, what was Eve thinking? What was, the, what was her process and her mentals that got us as a whole kicked out and I'm not going to exempt Adam from it as well as brothers this day and age who are letting their wives run their damn house and take and wear the pants in the family and make decisions that she shouldn't be making it's brother's fault fault too because a brother is supposed to get this woman in check to get this woman in order man no different than Adam, because it tells you that she brought it back to Adam and Adam partook. Adam didn't have to partake. He could, he should have checked her and said, girl, if you don't get the hell out of here with that nonsense, who, who showed you that? Where you get that from? No, we're not doing that. The Most High said to do it this way. But like I said, it's the same thing brother's doing now. Oh, oh this 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 what you got? Oh, this is something new. Okay. Okay. All the brothers getting like Adam vexed to the point he, she gives she vexes him into submission. And now he just gives up his manhood. This goes on a lot too. Brothers start off strong. <laughs> start off strong as hell. So his woman just starts nagging the hell out of him every day and pushing her away. Now he weak. And sisters, I don't know if you understand this. You do yourselves a disservice. Because what what good woman wants a weak ass man? What woman wants a weak ass man? She can push him aside the head, make him soft as hell, to where now somebody run up in the crib or somebody run up on you, disrespect you, you looking for him to to, to defend your honor or protect the family. Well, hell, you done watered him down. Now he a mouse. And he ain't going to stand up for nothing. He just get punked by the bully, too, by the other nigga, too. But this is your doing something you create. Anyway, man, let me read on. 
I'm in uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people and my hurt. And this is Jeremiah saying this. And what he's saying is he felt he fell for our sisters. He fell for what our sisters are going through. No different than me. No different than other brothers, man. Contrary to what society is teaching uh, black and brown brothers, uh, black and brown sisters, we care about y'all, man. We love y'all. We love our women, man. We really do. But there's a wedge being drove between us, and that wedge is you think you know better than us. That's the wedge. That truly is the wedge. You want to be loved. You want to be respected. You want to be cherished. Sisters, it's all in, in y'all. The balls of y'all court. Y'all can de- determine how your man deals with you, how your husband deals with you, the way you submit to him. Honestly, that is the truth. You want him to cherish you. You want him to talk nicely to you. You want him to to treat you well. Then treat him well. Submit to him. Do the things he's asking you to do. You'll get it. I'm telling you, you'll get it. But like I said, contrary to what society has thrown out there, we do generally, honestly care about y'all, man. It's like I said, it's y'all opinion that has driven the wedge in between us. But Jeremiah, he said he felt the same way. Listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 21. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black. Astonishment had taken hold on me. So this is Jeremiah talking about how he feels for what his sisters are going through. It's no different than now. Upon reading this, yes, this little girl needs her ass whooped. But she is grossly misguided. She don't have the head. She don't have somebody to tell her who she is, who she belongs to, what she should be doing. She out in the damn street trying to get attention. This is take this is taking damn Instagram to a whole new level now. This is what they doing in the street now? The hell with a couple of uh videos or pictures on Instagram, Snapchat. Or uh, what's the other one? TikTok. The hell with that. I'm going missing on the nigga. I bet I get a lot of likes now. That's where we at. That's where we at, y'all. Unfortunately. But listen to what the Most High said, man. Let me get this in Isaiah. Hold on, y'all. Let me find it. Give me just a second, y'all. I ain't going nowhere. I'm looking for a scripture. And a time went by fast. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 3, y'all. Uh, and I want to start at uh, verse 16. 
Isaiah chapter 3, verse 16. Moreover, the Lord said, because the daughters of Zion, talking about our women, Israelite women, it says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, haughty, meaning they're, they're prideful, man. They don't think they poop stink. It says, and walk with stretched forth necks and wanting eyes, meaning what? The stretched forth necks is, uh, I'm, I'm the S-H-I-T, man. My poop don't stink, like I said. I'm up here and you down there. I'm looking down on you niggas. It says, in wanting eyes, meaning they want everything they see. It says, walking and mincing as they go, and making a tinkling with their feet. And this, this mincing and the tingling with the feet is talking about all the jewelry that they wear, the ankle bracelets and such. I'm going to tell you. Verse 17, therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion. And this is why a lot of our sisters walking around Bald head, scallywags, chicken heads, can't grow no hair. That's why our women got to be sewing the weave and all that stuff in because the most high didn't curse your damn hair so it won't grow. With the old song, hey, hey, what's the matter with your afro? It won't grow into a natural row. This is why the most high didn't curse y'all with that short hair Because y'all Price was hell And it ain't time to pot speaking This is what the Bible say Anyway, read you know It says, therefore the Lord will smite smite, a, smite with a scab The crown of the head Of the daughters of Zion And the Lord will discover Their secret parts Which I don't think the secret parts are Hmm Discover the secret part. This is the vaginal yeast infections. This is all the female problems that y'all might be having. This is what the most I'm talking about right here. But why? Because of the pride. 18. In that day, the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their cars and their, their round tires like the moon. So it's talking about all the apparel, all the accessories that our women be wearing. Said so the Most High was going to take this stuff away. It said the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers. It says the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets and the earrings. What the Most High is saying, what this is symbolizing, y'all, is the Most High is taking away the beauty of our sisters, the natural beauty that they came with. And this is why you see sisters running around now with the damn eyelashes that look like they got spiders on their eyelids. You see them running around with a pound of weave in their hair, some damn horses somewhere shivering butt naked, or they're going to Elam to buy damn Elam hair. How degrading is that, man? You can't grow no hair. So you go to the East Indian man and get his woman's hair. You go and get his woman's hair. What does the scripture say? The most high is going to make us jealous of a foolish nation. Hell, we jealous of all the nations. We're trying to look like them now. You can't even get a real black woman now. Because black women trying to look, they wearing, they got on East Indian hair. Then they got, they put the blonde in their hair. 
So now he looks like a white woman. <laughs> then you got a lot of our women running around. Uh, they into the Oriental stuff with the Oriental makeup, the Oriental tattoos all on their back. They they look like different nations, man. They want to be everybody but what the most high created them to be. Talking about they looking for a real man when they fake women. <laughs> really, man. It says, uh, verse 21, the rings and the nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, the the uh, the, ment- the mantles, and the, whimper- the wimples, and the crisping pins. Talking about the carolinons. It says the collect the glasses and the fine linen and the hoods and the veils. So these are all the things the most high decked us with or decked our women with. It says, and it shall come to pass that instead of sweet smell there shall be a stink. <laughs> y'all use y'all imagination. Instead of the sweet smell, it's going to be what? Fish. It's going to be an odor. It says, and instead of a girdle, a rent. So instead of having a tight, small little waist, you gonna got you got the beer belly now. You got the gut. You got the booty do. Yeah, your stomach poke out more than your booty do. And then what are women doing now when it happens? Oh, uh, they go get, go get the uh, the BBMs, the butt lifts. They go under, under the knife to remove the belly fat and put it in the booty and put it in the breastuses. <laughs> this is our women, man. But I hope y'all understand that when y'all do this, y'all basically putting, throwing a finger up at the most high. But the most high is not to be mocked. This is why a lot of them, after the surgery, they can have these health problems. Anyway, y'all, I used a lot of time. I had no intention on going there. I got to get to another article because we was talking about health problems. And I don't know if y'all heard about this one. Um, Let me see. Yeah. So this is from CNN, y'all. It says they took blockbuster drugs for weight loss and diabetes. Now their stomachs are paralyzed. So I don't know if y'all heard about this weight loss drug. Uh, it's going to tell you in the article. It says, uh, Joanne Knight has a message for anyone considering drugs like Ozepic or Rigavi, which have become popular for the dramatic weight loss they can help people achieve. This is a quote. I wish I never touched it. This is what this lady says. I wish I never heard of it in my life, said Knight, 37 from Angie, Louisiana. This medicine made my life hell, so much hell. It has cost me money. It cost me a lot of stress. It cost me days and nights and trips with my family. It cost me a lot, and it's not worth it. The price is too high. Brenda Allen, age 42, Dallas, Texas, feels the same way. Her doctor prescribed Ouija, Ouija, Ouija V for weight loss. And I know I ain't pronouncing it right. It says, and even now, being off the medication for almost a year, I'm still having a lot of problems. Alan said in an interview with CNN, she said she was at urgent care recently after vomiting so much, she became dehydrated. 
Emily Wright, 38, a teacher in Toronto, Canada, started taking Ozempic in 2018, Ozempic, Ozempic in uh, 2018. Uh, over a year, she said she lost 80 pounds, which she's been able to keep off, but Wright said she now vomits so frequently she had had to take a leave of absence from her job. I've almost been off Ozempic Ozempic for a year, still not back to my normal, Wright said. The diabetes drug Ozempic and its sister drug for weight loss, Regavo, utilizes the same medications similar to these and other drugs in this family, which includes medications like Zerzeptide and Liragletide, work by mimicking a hormone that's naturally made by the body, GLP-1. One of the roles, oh, man, really? I'm sorry, y'all. One of the roles of GLP-1 is to slow the passage of food through the stomach, which helps people feel fuller longer. If the stomach slows down too much, however, that can cause problems. Knight and Wright have been diagnosed with severe gastroparasites or stomach paralysis, which which their doctors think may have resulted from one from uh, from or been exuberated exuberated by the medications they were taking. Ozempic. Wright said she has also been diagnosed with clinical vomiting syndrome, which causes her to throw up multiple times a day. So, man, this is extreme uh, weight loss right here, man. So if y'all are thinking about getting this drug, anybody thinking about getting this drug and using it to lose weight, don't do it, y'all. Don't do it. All right, so I wanted to just touch on that. And let me get this one. This one I actually had from last week, but I didn't have time to get to it, y'all. I don't know if y'all are familiar with it or y'all been watching it, but uh, Ice Cube has a league called the Big Three. And what's been happening is the NBA has been pretty much blocking their uh, sponsorship and has turned a lot of sponsorship away from the game. Ice Cube is now speaking about it. Um, Don't be surprised if they bring him up on some type of charges, he go to jail, some tax evasion. Or they Merkel, man, because he don't really understand who he messing with. Ice Cube details how the NBA is blocking the Big Three. Ice Cube's three-on-three basketball league, the Big Three, has been around for over six seasons. It has offered additional life to professional basketball careers or former NBA stars, Allen Iverson, Chauncey Billups, Kenyon Martin, and others. The league has uh, scored television contracts and continues to thrive, even though, I'm sorry, even through the pandemic. 
And they have, man. I seen Chauncey Billups because he played in it when, like, when they first uh, rolled it out. But now he a head coach in um, Portland. Um, but it's it's gave other players uh, a second chance. Matter of fact, they got a couple of them. I think it was last season. Uh, they got a couple of them and signed them on like ten day contracts, man. And I checked it out a couple times. I'm a basketball fan, man. It's entertaining. Um, I like it. I really watch it, you know, just to support Ice Cube and his endeavors. It says, however, Ice Cube says that the NBA is blocking moves from the big three. Appearing on the Breakfast Club, Cube spoke of the relationship between the two leagues. At 1050, he speaks to he speaks to Charlemagne the God about the possibility of some legal questionable behavior by the National Basketball Association. Like I say, this is an old article. I wanted to read it last week, but I didn't get to it. It is Cube. It is. Cube agrees, it's antitrust that they're participating in. When you try to keep a, keep a monopoly running by going behind the scenes and scaring either companies that you work with or companies that want to work with you, yeah, they are very close to if they haven't already crossed the line. So this is what Cube said about them. Mm-hmm. But like I said, this brother really don't understand who these people are. And I was disappointed to hear him. He did several interviews here lately. I was disappointed to hear what he said, man. He, he like every other uninformed black and brown person. Talking about voting again, man. Why is that always our answer to every damn thing, man? That's insanity. Anyway, uh, this is Ecclesiastes or Ecclesiasticus, chapter 1 and verse 15. Uh, oh, my bad. It is. It's Ecclesiastes 1 and 15. Let me get that real quick, y'all. I'm running. I'm going to have to. I'm, I think I'm going to run a little over with the news, maybe. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1 and 15. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. So these people, man, the so-called white men, they were made crooked. You can't make these people straight, man. It's in their nature. It's just it's certain stuff, man, that they just they're not going to change from. That's the way they was created, and you can't be mad about it. You just got to accept it. And the reason say the reason I say you can't be mad about it is because that's the way the Most High created these damn people. The only thing that would get you more upset is if you're expecting these people to change. They're not going to change. So we're going to stay in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, read verse 13. It says, consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he had made crooked? He ain't going to change these damn people. You're not, man. You run around here mad at them, talking about how they're trying to block you. Of course they're going to block you. Of course they're going to do this. This is our adversary. They've been our adversary since... We came out of the womb with them. And I'm talking about Jacob and Esau. You better go back and read Genesis chapter 25. That's their job. It's their role. They ain't going to cease from that. Like I said, you, you running around in circles getting yourself more and more upset because you don't understand who these people are. And honestly, 
I heard that is that he he found out he was an Israelite. What you need to be doing, Q, is you need to get your money together and invest in your people. And when I say invest in your people, I'm talking about opening up schools. I ain't talking about like Israelite schools. I'm talking about schools for our children to go to and be educated in who they are, man. Israelite children. And have uh, different uh, teachers come in that can train them and give them the skills in carpentry. Give them the skills in auto mechanics. Give them the skills in um, demolition. And things of that nature, man, because those are the skills that we don't have to this day. All our kids want to do is be damn um, athletes or entertainers, man. Or they want to go to college and take some old BS, uh, get some old BS degree. If they get out, they're going to be in debt and they ain't going to be able to find a damn job for it. I remember back in the day, when I went to school, we had, like, wood shop. We had, like, uh, auto mechanics. We had, like, uh, metal shop. And these were the courses you took to get you geared and give you the knowledge of a trade. So when you got out, you could have that trade, and you could one day open your own business. I don't know if people really understand this. The, the jobs I just named, that's where the real money's at. Hell, I remember I was working for uh, AT&T as a cable splicer. And I ain't got no damn college degree. I got a high school diploma and barely that. But I was make I got up to making $30 an hour. 30 bucks an hour. That's the type of money that uh, people in corporate America make. That's been to school and got degrees. Some of them, anyway. And then a lot you find out a lot of them ain't even got damn degrees. You don't need no damn college education, no college debt, <laughs> to be successful. But back to what I was saying, this is this is what Q needs to really invest in. He may be man, because our people is is lost. They into everything. Devin said Q might be a Muslim. He, he might be, and I remember he was on that for quite some time, and he was being uh, seen with the Nation of Islam. But somebody had told me, I didn't uh, really investigate it, told me that he, he knew he was an Israelite. But anyway, man, that's what we really need in our, our community, the Israelite community. We need schools to educate our children, like I said, on who, who they are, whom they are, their purpose, and those skills that I just named, man, so we can survive here in this place until Yahweh Shah come get us the hell out of here. Because meanwhile, you got this nonsense going on. Let me read y'all this one. Don't know if y'all heard about this. Ron DeSantis defends Florida curriculum to teach slavery benefits, says scholars, or behind it. So once again, Ron DeSantis in the news trying to write slavery out of history books. This ain't his first time either, man. This is not his first time. It says Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said on Friday 
and new education standards around teaching slavery in Florida schools will show that enslaved people were able to parlay their skills they were forced to learn. Parlay their skills that they were forced to learn? <laughs> parlay them. Even even if this is true, which is not, if we parlayed our skills, we didn't get paid for it. We didn't get paid for it. Go do your damn research, because all of us have skills that we didn't get paid for. Remember the um, the whiskey, Jack Daniels? They came out years back, and they had admitted that they stole the recipe from a black man that the the owner or the the father of the, the Daniels people used to own. They admitted this, and countless other companies have came out and admitted they stole damn recipes, like Aunt Mama, Uncle Ben's. All that stuff was stole from what these skills that we were forced to learn that he claimed we parlayed. We parlayed it into what, nigga? More slavery, more death, more oppression. What exactly did we parlay them into? I would, I would be interested to find that out. The Sanchez, who was speaking to reporters doing an event in Utah, <laughs> of all places, Utah. <laughs> Perfect setting. To go into some BS like that It says uh, Doing an event in Utah Defended a new set of academic Standards in his state That will require middle school teach Middle schools to teach That enslaved people Develop skills which In some instances Could be applied For their personal benefit A line that has Ignited significant controversy Among teachers Groups and parents in the state, this is a quote from him, they're probably going to show that some of the folks, some of the folks, (laughs) that eventually parlayed, you know, being a blacksmith into doing things later in life, DeSantis said, adding that scholars put together the standards, which he said were rooted in whatever is factual. (laughs) <laughs> These damn people, man I tell you, you can't make this stuff up Let's get First Maccabees chapter 3, man Is it Like what I just read You can't straighten which was made crooked, man It's in their nature To be damn con men Lying ass people First Maccabees chapter 3, verse 47 And it reads Hold on, I'm in the wrong book. Sorry, y'all. First Maccabees chapter three, verse forty-seven. All right, it reads. Then they fasted that day. So the day is talking about Judas Maccabees and all the people that were with him, all the Israelites that was with him, that was uh, rebelling against the Greeks. When they came into power And we were being oppressed By Antiochus Epiphanes It says then they fasted that day And put on sackcloth cloth, And cast ashes upon their heads 
and rent their clothes and laid open the book of the law. This is the part I want to get to. Wherein the heathen, the heathen meets the nations or the Gentiles, in this particular case, the Greeks, the heathen had sought to paint the likeness of their images. So this was them during the time of the Maccabees who took our Bible and they made it theirs. They said that they was the people of the book. Does this sound familiar? Yes. You remember back in, back when they was making that damn movie uh, about Harriet Tubman, they wanted to cast Julia Roberts as Harriet Tubman. Y'all remember that? This goes right along with what DeSantis is trying to do now. Pretty soon, y'all, God forbid, we still here. They're going to write all of us out of the book, and they're going to become the slaves. They're going to say that they were the people that have been murdered and brutalized and oppressed for over 400 years. They're going to say that it was them. This is what they this is what they laying the groundwork for to do right now, y'all. But once again, it's in their nature. So what we just read in Maccabees. Now, I'm going to get this out of the Josephus, get a secular source. So listen to this. This is Josephus, book one, chapter five. And I'm going to start at uh, uh, chapter five and paragraph one. It says, after after this, and this was after the flood, y'all. It says, after this, they were dispersed abroad. Hold on, y'all. Let me get some light. After this, they were dispersed abroad on account of their languages. So this is talking about uh, Genesis chapter 11, where the Most High confounded languages. So he said they were dispersed. Everybody went out, right? And went out by colonies everywhere. And each colony took possessions of the land which they which they light light upon and unto which God led them, so that the the whole continent was filled with them both the inland and the maritime countries. There were some also who passed over the sea in ships and inhabited the islands, and some of those nations do still retain the, dom- the denomination which were given them by their first founders, meaning some of the nations going all the way back to the Tower of Babel and going all the way back to Genesis chapter 10, the Table of Nations, they still have the same names to this day. It says, but some have lost them also. So some lost their original names, and some have only omitted certain changes in them. And it says, it's telling us that some of the nations, they changed their names on purpose so that you couldn't identify who they were in history books or in the Bible. Now watch this, that they might be the more intelligible to the inhabitants, so they changed their names so they can appear that they were more than what they really were. They changed they changed their names so they can appear more intelligent than what they really were. It says, and they were the Greeks. So who did this? The Greeks that we just read about in First Maccabees. So this is is two viable, reliable sources telling you how the Greeks, the Edomites 
change their names. Anyway, right, read it on. It says, the Greeks who became the authors of such mutilation. So Josephus calls them butchering history of mutilation because it is. Because when you lie about history, then people can't go back and trace who you really are and put you at the scene of crime scenes that you rightly need to be at. So people can see you for the liar, the deceiver that you really are. It says, for when in after ages they grew potent, meaning they had control of the whole world. When you control the world, you can control the narrative that you give the world. You can control history books. This is why the running joke about history is it's his story. And a lot of history from so-called white people's point of view, Edomite's point of view, it is his story, not the actual story. Because remember what DeSantis said in this article about his, uh, his new perception on slavery to be factual. No, that's his story. But it's not factual. Let me read this again. It says, The Greeks who became the authors of such mutilation, for when in after ages they grew potent, they claimed to themselves the glory of antiquity. And this is why they claim to be the first humans on the face of the planet, Adam and Eve. This is why it's been depicted in all those books and all those Bibles, those pictorial Bibles. You see Adam and Eve is who? So-called white people. They'll have you believe that they are the founders. They were the first men on the planet. Why? why? They can do this because they own the globe. They own the world. When you have power like they have, you can write the narrative. You control the narrative. It says, for when in after ages they grew potent, they claimed to themselves the glory of antiquity, giving names to the nations that sounded well in Greek. So they named nations. They renamed nations. Like I said, man, this is why when you start going into history, man, you better be diligent because you're going to have to find book after book after book because they change the names of people and change the names of themselves so you can't identify who they really are. It says, giving names to the nations that sounded well in Greek, that they might be better understood among themselves and setting agreeable forms of government over them as if they were a people derived from themselves. They don't really have you believe that, that they just can't, they, they, they'll have you believe that they're just American And they was already here They ain't come from nowhere They ain't come They ain't, they ain't have no ancient history That They came from Europe And uh, That their ancestors Was a bunch of damn crooks And robbers and murderers That came over to this country And formed a country <laughs> They don't have that in their history Let them tell it Let them tell it the Indians just sold their land and, and gave it away for free, and they didn't murder and take it. Let them tell it. Anyway, I kind of ran over my time for the news. 
I'm going to take a brief intermission, and I'm going to come back on the other side of the intermission, y'all, with the class titled Never Wax Pale, the beginning of the end, part two. Y'all be right back. So, y'all, uh, it's that time to, for us to go over the uh, topic at hand. Never wax pale, the beginning of the end, part two. So, we're going over the death of Christ um, and the prophecy about the death of Christ. And uh, this is part of a segment that I've been working on for quite some time called Never Wax Pale. Uh, in the New Testament, dealing with the Roman captivity, um, the... Uh, the haters of Christ, and like I said, uh, the death of Christ. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week in Isaiah chapter 53, and we're going to start at verse, let's just start at verse 1, y'all. And I covered this last week, so a lot of this I'm not going to go back over. So Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Who I believe I report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form of he had no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire that we should desire him. So this is talking about Christ. I went over this last week when it talked about there's no beauty uh, that we desire to him. And I cited Nature Knows No Cut Line, uh, page 40 and page 41, which was actually Josephus' account of Christ, how Christ was um, like four four feet and a couple inches, say he had a hunchback, a long face, and he was a black man with an immature beard. So this is what it's talking about. In uh, Isaiah chapter 53 No comeliness The word comely means beautiful Uh, Reading on though In verse 3 
He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So he's talking about Yahweh, talking about Christ, but this is the prophecy way back in Isaiah chapter 53 about him. Now, verse 3 says that he was despised and rejected of men. So let's get that in St. John chapter 1. St. John chapter 1, and let's jump down to verse 10. He was in the world, and this is talking about Christ. It says, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And this is the part I want to get to, which goes hand in hand with Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3, when it says he was despised and rejected of men. He was. He was rejected of the Israelites. A lot of us rejected Christ and didn't receive him. Verse 12, but as many as received him, so you see what? You see a lot of Israelites did receive Christ. A lot of Israelites did believe in Christ. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Now let's get St. John chapter 5 and verse 43. St. John chapter 5, verse 43, and it reads, How can ye believe? And this is Christ speaking. He says, How can ye believe? He's speaking to these Israelites. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, now this was Christ was telling these Israelites, when he's talking about Moses, he's talking about the Old Testament and all the prophecies that Moses wrote about Christ, and he's talking about what we read in Isaiah also. It says, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not this writing, how shall ye believe my words? So this goes hand in hand with what we just read, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3. I'm going to read it again. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So reading on, it says, Surely, he had borne our griefs. Now listen to the terminology that Isaiah is using. When he's talking about our and we and us, he's talking about the Israelites because Isaiah was an Israelite. That's important to remember because when you go into the New Testament, it's still talking about the Israelites and all of these prophecies were prophesied way back in the Old Testament about Christ and what he was going to do for the Israelites. So verse 4 again. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We did, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. He was wounded for our transgressions. So why did Christ take the beating that he took? 
but he was wounded for our transgressions. This is why. He went through that for us, for the Israelites, not the whole world, y'all. It says he was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquity means sin, and sin is the transgression of the law, according to 1 John 3 and 4. It says the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. No doubt. That's why the scripture says this in the New Testament. Let's get Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, and it reads, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And she is talking about Christ's mother, Mary. And Christ's name, the baby's name, was going to be called Jesus, which means Savior. It says, why was this baby going to be named Savior? For he shall save his people, and it didn't say all people, it said his people, y'all. Who is it? Who are his people? His people are the Israelites. For he shall save his people from their sins. Who are the only people that ever got the law of sin and what sin was or is? Is the Israelites. In this very same chapter, it tells you this. About Christ I'm going to read I read it before I'm going to read it again Y'all Just refreshes Just for content sake So Matthew chapter 1 And verse 1 The book of the generation Of Jesus Christ The son of David The son of Abraham So it's telling Giving you Christ's lineage And it, it goes on to tell you Who was begotten So Abraham begot Isaac And Isaac begot Jacob And Jacob begot Judas And his brethren so it goes all the way down with Christ's lineage. Now, the part I want to get to, y'all, is verse 17. Look into this. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon were 14 generations. This is Israelite history right here. So during the time of David, after David you had his son Solomon, which the kingdom split up around 930 B.C., uh, and then you had the southern or the northern kingdom being led away into captivity around 720 uh, B.C. Uh, under um, the Assyrian king, Tiglar Pilasad and his dynasty. Then you had the southern kingdom around 586 B.C. being carried away into Babylon during the Babylonian captivity. And that's where you get the books Nehemiah, Ezra, um, who else was in that cap- captivity? Jeremiah was in that captivity. Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, all of them were in that captivity. So this is what it's talking about right here. It says, until the carrying away into Babylon for 14 generations, so the Babylonian captivity, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ for 14 generations. Now, what this one verse just did was give you about 559 years of history because after the Babylonian captivity that the Israelites went into, the Israelites went into the Persian Mede captivity also. Then after that captivity, around 333 B.C., the Israelites went into the Greek captivity. And then after that, they went into the Roman captivity, which was during the time of Christ. 
That's why it says, uh, uh, and from the carrying away into Babylon until the unto Christ or fourteen generations. In this same chapter, now reading verse twenty one again, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus or Savior. Why was he going to be named Savior? For he shall save his people from their sins. And Christ was born to be the Savior of Israel to save Israel out of what? Once again, another captivity. Once again, out of their sin. Because if you're unfamiliar with the Israelite history, we would be in the land, break God's commandments, then the Most High would punish us, take us out of the land, send us into captivity, then we would call upon his name, get our act together, and then he would send us a Savior. That's all throughout the Bible, no different in the New Testament. So this is what it's talking about in Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to read this again, and I'm going to jump back to Matthew. It says, Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Once again, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. That's what it, what it means when it says, and with his stripes we're healed, because that's what he saved us from, y'all. He saved us from transgression. I'm going to prove it, though. All right, so we got, uh, let me see, Matthew one twenty one. Let's get Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. Hold Isaiah, y'all, because we're coming back to it. Matter of fact, you hold it. Hebrews chapter 9. So we're going to pretty much read the whole chapter of Isaiah, y'all. But we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 9. And what I'm proving here is that our Christ healed us through the beating that he took. That's why it says, uh, through his stripes we are healed. Hold on, y'all. Here we go. All right. So we're in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. It says, but Christ being come, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. So what was the thing, the good things to come? Him being crucified for our sins. It's going to prove it. Watch. It says, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. The tabernacle was the church. It's the temple where we were together. So it said that Christ, he was that more perfect and, and better tabernacle. It says not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. Look at the terminology that's being used. It didn't say for the whole world. He says eternal redemption for us. And then it even gives you context clues to let you know who it's talking about. The top of verse 12 again, neither by the blood of goats and calves. What this is talking about, Shaw, is the animal sacrifice that we would have to give up that we would have to pay for our sins. 
This is what it's talking about right here. It says, neither by the blood of goats and, and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal re, re, uh, re, uh, redemption for us. Redemption is to be redeemed, to be forgiven. Now, verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and of ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the, the purifying of the flesh. So, matter of fact, let's get that. Let's get Leviticus chapter 16, y'all. Let's see what the New Testament is talking about, because I know a lot of people don't read the, New Te- the Old Testament, but we're going to go back to the Old Testament to find out what the New Testament is talking about here in Hebrews. Get Leviticus chapter 16. Like, like I was saying, he's talking about animal sacrifice. Who was given the law of animal sacrifice? The Israelites. Leviticus chapter 16. And let's start at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron, thy brother, that he come not at all times into the, the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud unto the mercy seat. So you had to come with a particular way to the Most High. You had to offer up the right things. His sons didn't, and they died. Verse 3. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering. What is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law, once again, citing 1 John 3 and 4. And a ram for a burnt offering. So this is talking about animal sacrifice. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. Verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coat, some are Aaron, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh. And shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen metri shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. All right, read on. Verse 5. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering. Y'all see this? Once again, animal sacrifices. Let's talk about the Hebrews. And one ram for a burnt offering. Now that's verse five. Let's read verse six. Maybe we're gonna jump. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. Now let's jump down to verse fifteen. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering, that is for the people. I hope y'all are seeing this. Read it again, verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. Now, I don't want to lose nobody. Let's jump back to Hebrews. Whole uh, Leviticus coming right back. Hebrews chapter 9, verse, let's start at verse, let's read 12 again. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, 
but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. So this is talking about, once again, animal sacrifice, and that's what the animal sacrifice was designed for, to clean you up from the sin that you had committed, the law that you had broken against the Most High. Going back to Leviticus, let's read Leviticus 16 and 15 again. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. I hope everybody's seeing this. And because of their transgressions and all their sins, it's breaking it down for you crystal clear, man. Why was Aaron fighting uh, and killing the animal and sacrificing it? Because of the sins. This is how you got clean or got redeemed from your sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remained among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out. So Aaron would go into the place that's known as the Holy of Holies. And he would do this once a year so that all the Israelites, so all of us, could be forgiven for our, all our sins the previous year. That's why I says, and read it again in verse 17. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he go in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out. So nobody could go with Aaron and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. So this high priest, he could only go in there by himself, and he had to be clean. And not just physically, he had to be clean in his mind mentally or he would drop dead. In fact, there would be a, a string tied to him, tied to, I believe, his ankle, to where if he dropped dead, they ain't hear him in there praying and moving around no more, then they would pull that string and pull him up out of there because nobody could go in there except him. So this is what it's talking about, verse 18. And, hold up, let me see, where was I at? That was 15, 17. Because I ain't going to read this whole chapter. Let me jump. Uh, let's jump to 30. It says, for on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you, talking about Aaron still, to cleanse you, and the you is talking about Israel, that ye may be clean from all your sin before the Lord. So what was the purpose of animal sacrifice? That we might be clean clean from all our sins. But what our people didn't understand was this was not just a physical thing. It was a spiritual thing also. We're going to get to that. Verse 31. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls by a statue forever. So when it's talking about a statue, 
and us afflicting our souls. This is talking about the Day of Atonement. So this was done because the Day of Atonement is kept every year, once a year. And you can read about that in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. That was one of the most high, high holy days. So this is part of the uh, sacrificial law. It says, this shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall affix your souls by a statue forever. And on the Day of Atonement, we don't eat for a 24-hour period. So this was uh, to accompany the Day of Atonement. But we don't have to do that no more, which we're going to read, that Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. Reading on, verse 32. And the priest whom he shall anoint, and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's seed shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes even the holy garments. And he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary and he shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation and for the altar. And he shall make an atonement for the priests and for all the people of the congregation. Us, the Israelites. And this shall be an everlasting statute. What's everlasting mean like forever? An everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 9. Let's read verse 13. Matter of fact, start at 12 and read on into 13, into 14. Hebrews 9, 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, enter in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, that he is talking about Christ. So he entered in once. Now remember, how the priests used to do it before Christ became that ultimate sacrifice it used to be done once a year. But it says that Christ entered in that place one time. To do what? It said he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. An eternal redemption, meaning forever. Because we just read in Leviticus how the Day of Atonement and the, the uh, sacrificial law of killing that animal for us to be forgiven for our sins was supposed to be done forever. But now we're reading in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, that Christ entered in once, and through his blood that cleaned us up forever. But the catch is you had to be you had to believe in him, which a lot of us didn't. You had to believe in him and you had to change. Verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. Remember, I told y'all this was symbolic. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So it wasn't just about the flesh. It was about your spirit being purged. It was about you changing. You can't be the same you. Because what we would do was we would say, okay, we got animals. We got livestock. 
it's no big deal that this animal, this innocent animal has to die for what I've done. It wouldn't purge our conscience. It wouldn't penetrate. So an innocent man had to die. He had to take the place of the sacrificial law. I hope everybody's getting this. But that sacrificial law was only given to who? It was only given to the Israelites. So how could the whole world possibly benefit from Christ being crucified? That would not make any sense. Let's get Numbers chapter 19. Numbers chapter 19 And Let's start at verse 1 And the Lord spake unto Moses And to Aaron saying This is the ordinance of the law Which the Lord had commanded Saying speak unto the children of Israel That they bring thee a reed I'm sorry bring thee a red heifer Without spot Wherein is no blemish And upon which never came yoke So without spot Without blemish I hope y'all are seeing this man it's the same thing we just read in Hebrews. And the reason this heifer is being brought is it's being brought in for sacrifice. So we could be forgiven for a sin. No different than Christ. Verse 3. And ye shall give her unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp. And one shall slay her before his face. And Eleazar the priest shall take of her blood, with his finger and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And one shall burn the heifer in his in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood with her dung shall be burned. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes and he shall bathe his flesh in water, and afterwards he shall come into the camp, and the priest shall be unclean unto the even. So I hope you all are seeing this too, the, the symbolism, the priest being clean by the water, the priest being clean by the blood. Verse 8, And he that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his flesh in water and shall be unclean unto the even. And the reason I want to emphasize symbolism is because by the time you get to the New Testament and you see John the baptizer, baptizing people, that was symbolism, y'all. He wasn't just trying to purify the flesh. He was trying to purify our conscience and our spirit to get us to change. All the baptism was, it tells you in countless scriptures how the water was the word. Verse 9. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp, without the camp in a clean place. And it shall be kept for, for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation in his, in, I'm sorry, water separation. It is a purification for sin. I hope I hope everybody's seeing this. Now let's go back to Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter ten. Now we're gonna start at verse one. It says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. So what was the law? The law we just read, animal sacrifice. 
It says having a shadow of good things to come. The good things to come was who? It was Christ. And not the very image of the things <laughs> can never. It says not the very image of the things because the things we used back then was the animal sacrifice. And it says not the very image here because Christ was not the image of, of a damn animal. He was, the, he was a human being. Let me read this again. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, with those sacrifices which they offer year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Meaning what? That those animal sacrifices did not make us perfect because we did not clean up our conscience. We did not correct the impurities that was in our conscience. We were just going through the motions, going through the ceremonies, basically having church. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, saying, if they really cleaned us up, if they really cleaned our conscience up, then why do we have to keep killing animals every year? Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. And what is sin again? The breaking of the law. First John 3 and 4. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices... There is a remembrance, again, made of sin year by year, meaning we, we couldn't stop breaking the law. This is why we had to keep offering up animals. Once again, the sacrificial law. For, if, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. I hope you all see this. This is why we ain't doing it no more. Because that's the first thing we get, the first lip we get from people when we start reading out of the Old Testament. Oh, y'all read the Old Testament, so y'all still sacrifice the animals. Uh, no, because we, we read and believe in the new and the old. They're one and the same. Hope y'all seeing this. Verse 5, wherefore, when he coming into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering thou would it not. But a body has thou prepared for me. And that body was who? That was Christ. That body was being, body got prepared for him. Then the Most High put that spirit in the body. And that perfect body without blemish, that perfect spirit without blemish, was the ultimate sacrifice. So now we ain't got to sacrifice the animals no more. You know, verse 6. And burnt offerings. And sacrifices for sin Thou hast had no pleasure Why? Because it didn't change our conscience We still was breaking the law Verse 7 Then said I Lo, I come in the volume of the book It is written of me To do thy will O God So what is he talking about here? He comes in the volume of the book He's quoting something What is he quoting? Let's get it. Let's get Psalms chapter 40. Hold this and come right back. Psalms 40 and 6. I hope y'all are getting a better understanding of the New Testament and who Christ really died for. Me. That's that's the purpose of this class. This segment, anyway. I'm definitely going to bring in the historical accounts, but I want us to get this. Psalms chapter 40 and let's start at... Uh, Let's start at verse 6. 
Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. My ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. The same thing it just said in Hebrews. Verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. (laughs) We just read the exact same thing in Hebrews 10 and 7. So who is this that coming in both volumes of the book? It's talking about Christ, man. He's in the Old Testament. He's in the New Testament. Now let's jump back. Hebrews 10 and 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written in me, written of, written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he says, sacrifice an offering and burnt offering and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not. Neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Why? Because it didn't change our conscience. Verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taken away the first, meaning what? <laughs> Animal sacrifice, because that was the first. That he may establish the second, which was what? Christ being sacrificed for our sins. Verse 10, by the which we will we, sorry, by the which will we, will we are, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I hope everybody's seeing this. The we talking about is the Israelites. Christ died for us. So the sacrificial law could be done away with. Now let's go back to Psalm chapter 40, verse, as we verse 7 again, and we're going to read on down. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O, o my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness. In the great congregation, what congregation? And the word congregation means gathering the people. The only people that have ever gathered under the umbrella of the Most High have been the Israelites. And this is where the word church comes from. It says, Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. <laughs> Salvation, salvation only pertains to the Israelites. Us being saved out of many captivities and being saved from our sins, man. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thy, withhold, withhold not thou tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. This is David speaking, y'all, from Psalms. But that's where it came from in Hebrews. I hope y'all are seeing how the book is one and the same. Now, let's go back to Isaiah now, chapter 53. And we're going to start at verse 6. Matter of fact, let's read verse 5 into 6. And it reads, But he was wounded for our transgressions. But he is talking about Yahweh Shai. He took that beating for our sins. 
he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So how are we going to get peace? How are we going to get cleaned up? Christ had to take that beating. That's why it says, and with his stripes, we are healed. Because he became that animal sacrifice, but he wasn't an animal. He was a man. And the Most High was hoping that an innocent man man dying for us and our sins would give us a conscience, that we would stop sinning. We would stop breaking the law. Verse 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Iniquity, once again, being sin. So that all of our sins was laid on Christ. No different than we read in Leviticus chapter uh, 16 about how that those animals took on all our sins. All our iniquity was on them. And then how Aaron had to slaughter them us to be forgiven for our sins for that whole year. Reading on, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is, is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? But he was cut off out of the land of the living. So Christ gave his life for us. It says, for the transgression was he stricken. It didn't say all people. It says my people. I hope y'all are looking at the terminology being used. The Bible is a beautiful book, man. And I don't blame religion and the other nations for trying to steal it for themselves. I don't. I don't blame them, but they liars. I blame them for lying. I can empathize with them wanting to be in, in God's sheepfold, but they ain't. Reading on. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Once again, I was talking about Christ. Reading on. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why did it pre- please the Most High? For Yahweh, for Christ to be beaten, for him to take that beating, for him to be crucified, because Christ was the one that was going to adopt us back to the Most High. Who the Most High said, we've been his fervent lover. We've been his wife. We've, he tells us in Exodus uh, 4.22, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. This is why he was pleased for Christ to take that beating, to be that sacrifice for us. Verse 10, reason again, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Hope everybody's seeing this. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Reading on, where I'm at. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. If y'all don't get nothing else out of this chapter, (laughs) I hope y'all see how Christ took on the Israelites' sin, the debt that we owed the Most High. He took that on. 
verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, with us, and the people who died with also, and he bare the sin of many, and made, listen to this, intercession for the transgressors. What's an intersection? Or what does this mean when it says intercession? Christ is the mediator between us and the Most High, like it tells us in the New Testament. He became the go in between between us. I hope everybody is seeing this. Let's get Mark chapter 15, verse 25. the last scripture I'm going to read, y'all. Mark chapter 15, verse 25. And it reads, matter of fact, ooh, I can't do that. I'm sorry, y'all. I can't do that. Because if I do that, I'm going to keep going. Because I wanted to get to a point. So, let's just stop here, man. This is a good stopping place. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and end the show right here. I hope everybody got some edification out of the class. I hope uh, it was not confusing. I hope I ain't lose nobody, man. And uh, I apologize for going over with the news, man. I should have started this earlier because I ain't nowhere where I expected to end this class. But this is a good stopping place, man. I uh, hope everybody got some edification out of the class. If you got any questions, please hit me up at 314-482-9110. We go out in this class or any other class, any other biblical questions that you might have. The water Mashallah for hooking up, hooking up the broadcast. The water to everybody listening in, supporting Blog Talk Radio. And until next week, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Tazapah Tuesday, Tazapah Tuesday, Tazapah Tuesday every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, I'm going to say shalom. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.